0: I'm Aaron Armstrong. And I'm Pete Moran. I'm Amanda Lett.
1: And we love to watch. We love to watch Babe Pig in the Underworld.
2: Hey, Pete. Hey, Amanda. Hey. How are you guys doing? Pretty good. Long time no chat. Yeah, it's been a while since you've been on, I feel like.
0: It has. Tell me what is going on new with you all. Um,
2: well, I have been trying to find your Skype address so I could send you a message asking you to be on the show for about two years, year and a half. (laughs) (laughs) Something like that. Uh... Yeah, excavated some ruins. My my uh, house uh, rapidly aged. My first house I lived in rapidly aged uh, through time became ruins, uh, mm-hmm. and then I had to hire a team of archaeologists. And after yeah, about a year of yeah. digging, we uh, we found your uh, Skype name. Is that why your daughter's named like- Maya? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah
1: interesting. You found her in that- Mayan ruins.
2: Okay. Yeah, it's uh, both. Both rapidly aged from a, on a, a geological standpoint, but also uh, transported to a different location. So I'll tell you, the flight price to find your Skype name, Amanda, has really mm-hmm. set my family
0: back oh. <laughs> quite a bit. You know, it was all worth it in the end, though.
2: But you're a doctor, right?
0: I'm a doctor. I'm a so doctor. So you're a doctor. So
2: you you should be able to reimburse us.
0: <laughs> <laughs> only if my funding I comes say through. us
2: because I've been charging all the flights to the we love to watch business account and let me tell you <laughs> we're getting a lot of calls
0: <laughs> and earning a lot of frequent flyer miles
2: uh, no I specifically did not set up a sky mile account at any point <laughs> that's how they track you Amanda you know better than that well Amanda why don't you quickly introduce yourself to the audience we'll do a little reverse thing where we'll introduce you and we'll talk about the month But go ahead.
0: Uh, Wow. Wow. Oh, (laughs) so I'm Amanda Lett. I was a former mod uh, on the Dissolve uh, Facebook group. I thought you meant
1: for a second that you were a former mod as opposed to a former rocker. Yeah, now she's a rocker. <laughs> and now I'm a rocker. We're a mod, current rocker.
0: Current rocker. Um, definitely don't have the mod haircut anymore. Um, you know, they make you get rid of that when when they kick you out of the, the mod squad. Um, and uh, I am currently living in Houston, and I work at the Museum of Fine Arts here.
1: It's actually called
2: Huston. <laughs> yeah, fun fact.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, that... That doesn't really fly down here.
2: They're, they're <laughs> That's why I'm not there.
0: That's why you're yeah. not here. Amanda's like, look,
2: I've that. pronounced it all the ways, and they're very specific. About <laughs>
0: they're it. very they're specific the here. Um, very I was required specific. to go through a test before I got my driver's license. It was very rigorous. Amanda, you drive a car? Um, I do. The room box? I, I do drive a car. I mean, I feel like knowing how to drive a car is, is kind of apt for today's topic.
2: Oh, absolutely. Well, it's well, it's well half, for half, half of it. Yeah, for half. Actually, of half can of you it. drive a train? If you can you drive a train?
0: Well, I mean, I I can all drive t- a stick, so maybe I can drive a train? I don't know. All right, Amanda, can you talk
1: condescendingly to children and shoot at them? Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. I can do that.
2: Yeah, she worked at a museum. I'm assuming that's all yeah. she did. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what
0: school group tours are like? <laughs>
2: uh do you is your one joke like this is our art and it's fine no. <laughs> yeah you, can you try no. that tomorrow at work if there's still work um
0: <laughs> oh. no oh
2: okay we're not going to talk
1: about disease in this house the only <laughs> disease i've got is mad max fever
2: <laughs> oh no
1: I've yeah got, i've got march maxness
2: Uh, Yeah, because there's no more March Madness. Uh, there is no more March Madness. Yeah, where we love to watch. (laughs) We're we're a movie podcast. Pick a theme. We do movies over the course of that month around that theme. Sometimes it feels like we knew the future a little bit (laughs) when we pick a theme. (laughs) Like this month, we're in our third week of March Maxness. The only thing that rhymes with March Madness that you're going to get. All March. Uh, We're going through the Mad Max movies. We did Mad Max. We did The Road Warrior. And now we're doing... The kind of like odd one in the group, the one that has a varying degree of reputation depending on who you ask or probably how you're feeling on that day. Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. And I want to sidebar very quickly. So it was just two weeks ago, Peter, that uh, you and I were talking about the movie Mad Max. And I said one of the reasons I really like the movie – is because it shows a society that doesn't know what to do in the face of, like, an apocalypse that's in the process of happening. Where everyone's like, I guess I'm still a police officer, I'm going to keep going to work. And it does feel weird that that's what we were talking about in relation to Mad Max two weeks ago. And now that's a conversation I've had with people quite often 14 days later. (laughs)
0: like I don't know
2: everything I do we keep going to work it feels like things are not going well so yeah I think we're not gonna get into it you're living it every day hopefully this is an escape but I do think we accidentally picked a very um it feels like we're accidentally capitalizing on something with this this month about the, like society say, breaking down.
1: Though I'll say the real threat in this movie is not so much disease as, uh, you know, global global warming uh, induced, uh, uh, you know, global catastrophe plus, uh, you know, influx of nuclear war. And both of those have been a issue. All three of our entire lives. So I'm going to say well, yeah. never a bad time to do Mad Max.
2: <laughs> no, and, you know, it's kind of one of those, sometimes, like, you catch a movie that really is, like, ripped from the headlines, like, Judgment at Nuremberg or something, and then, like, you know, and then, like, 50 years later, you go back to it, and you're like, this still feels resonant. And that's what's going to happen uh, 50 years from now when all the ice caps are melted. They're like, yep, I'm listening to this on my Walkman or something, because technology goes backwards. Um, as I understand it, it's not that you'll be using old Sony Sony Walkmans, it's that the people in the post-apocalyptic wasteland will invent a music playing device that plays cassettes.
0: (laughs) Hey, cassettes are making a comeback. I've seen them at a whole bunch of shows lately. Cassettes are coming back. Why not?
1: As someone who does buy vinyl, I have to say this movie gets a one out of five uh, on that scale because there's a character who... Uh, uses a, a a vinyl record as like a, a almost like a toy on the end of a stick, um, and for some reason they have like a piece of like thatched thatched uh, material covering yes. just the label part,
0: <laughs> like some sort of mossy <laughs> greenery.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then it's as soon as they strange. put it on a record player, and they get the record player going. The thing plays like a dream. It's it's pretty crisp sounding. It's not wobbly, despite the fact that
2: that record was warped to shit. <laughs> like,
0: but also, it doesn't uh, play music. It's a French language yeah. instructional record.
2: So I I love that scene because <laughs> they are like that's when they get into the big final chase scene. Right, and you, th- I I thought like, oh, funny, like they're finally going to put this record on a record player. And it's gonna play some uh, diegetic music, right? That's right, gonna right. be like that's gonna be like chase music, like, like the an saxophonist old, rock and
1: roll, uh, in Auntie's chamber playing
2: uh, playing uh, music to suit her mood. Yeah, exactly. But it's gonna be like a chase song, or like a here's a way for us to get an '80s hit song into our movie diegetically without it seeming. <laughs> here's how good. we get Tina Turner's song into the movie. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Right. Yeah, and, and instead, the fact that like. It's a manic chase scene, and it's like, yeah, to to say hello in French. (laughs) Also, like I got to say, when you're in the Mad Max apocalypse, education is always important. Learning new languages, or at least beginner new languages, is probably the least important part of your education. You can literally never use that. (laughs) Right,
0: no. You're in Australia. yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: It seems to be mostly differing accents in English.
0: Yes. You've got
1: Tina Turner English. Uh, you've got uh, Australian English. You've got Charlie's Theron English. Uh right. End of list. Oh, you've got broken uh, children or uh, Lord of the Flies uh, children English, which is pretty annoying to listen to. Oh, <laughs> um, it would just it- be you'd
2: be walking around the wasteland going like bonjour, and people will be like, what the fuck did you I just know. hit that dude with a rock, hit him so fast, like, yeah, oh. hit him so hard and then you'd be like, no, it's hello in French what is French? What is They'd French? Be like, let me get my record player oh no, they're killing me
1: <laughs> and then Max is like, I remember French people <laughs> yeah oh French um, oh my god, holy uh, shit yeah. Amanda, what? Our, our sub-theme of doing Australian movies is back, baby
0: Oh god. Because we tri- we've all freak? done it twice. And didn't we yeah. do another one? No, I think Wolf we'll Creek's the only say. other Australian. In fact, I've been listening to a lot more Tina Turner to get ready for this episode. That um, is also preparing. I really thought we were gonna go a different way. Yeah, I thought yeah, we were just gonna yeah. talk about Tina Turner for a couple of hours. We
1: certainly can. We certainly can.
0: <laughs> I mean you know, I mean that lady has been through a lot, including uh, being in oh. this movie and wearing that wig that wig was terrible i think the wig is
2: good good wig <laughs> it's
0: not a good wig it's a good, wi- I good think wig it's a
2: good wig i think it's a good wig for uh queen of the apocalyptic wasteland <laughs> yeah
1: yeah all right but are for you comparing queen to queen of drag rock and roll it's wigs? a terrible wig
2: it's not a good i'm getting coffee with my gal pals on a sunday brunch situation wig no but no. it is like yeah i think i own the top floor of a,
0: of a treehouse,
2: of a treehouse overlooking the Thunderdome <laughs> on top of the pig fart shit uh, power factory. Yeah, I, it's fine. So let's <laughs> let's say
1: something real quick. Uh, when apparently, uh, apparently, when um, when uh, the young girl plays Eleven on Stranger Things needed an inspiration, a bit of bravery to shave her head. Um, the the directors. Uh, showed uh, her uh, Mad Max uh, uh, Mad Max Fury Road to show Charlize Theron and how badass she was uh, bald. Um, <laughs> do you think that uh, any, any drag queens have ever been like a little nervous and then they're like, at least my wig is going to look better than Tina Turner's in Mad Max Beyond oh, Thunderdome?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's a huge what not to do. I think it's, you know, it's not a look. A typical Tina look that you see other queens trying to mimic. They usually don't go for the Beyond Thunderdome, hard front. Mm-hmm. Strangely How do you feel about teased. the earrings?
1: Are the earrings working for you? The, the you chain know, mail, the, all
0: that? I, the earrings are too big. If the hair was up, maybe the earrings would be okay. But that's a lot of earring for a a, a down, loose sort of not shaped wig that she's wearing and then with the shoulder pads which is a constant theme through this movie
1: it's actually like if you i sent picture to the group chat um it, it's actually there's a tier of shoulder pads kind of going on um it's 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 uh three shoulder pads i'm seeing
0: it's a it's a shoulder pad bonanza it's a feast of shoulder <laughs> pads in this movie everyone's she got saw a- mad max and
1: she was like he's got one shoulder pad guess what motherfucker i got three. I
0: need two. And then you have like the MC kind of guy with the huge shoulder pads. Yeah. There's a lot of shoulder pads in this movie.
2: That's rad. Uh, uh, yeah. There's at least five.
0: At least. According
2: to my count. So at least. Uh, apparently, there's not, there's not less than five. Uh, apparently in
1: 2013. Uh, sorry, Aaron. I, ha- I had to interrupt. Apparently in 2013, I'm looking at a picture Um that tina turner went on stage wearing uh the full mad max get up uh and the uh the shoulder things the, sh- the tri- triple shoulder pads to perform live on stage uh to perform her song here hold on i'm also sending this image to the group chat
0: for everyone's it would be funny
2: if she did that to play like what's love got to do with it
0: <laughs> oh <laughs> Yeah, private dancer.
2: She's like, I forgot what song this relates to, but it's still a costume. Yeah, I've been lugging around, so I'm gonna go with it. <laughs> and she her-
1: she did not shave her head for the one song. So uh, no. when she made the movie, she shaved her head so that the wig would you know look right because the <sighs> wig is kind of set back on her skull. If you've never seen it, go ahead and Google it for yourself. Yeah,
0: that's another hard. Does eleven front. does eleven
2: know that? <laughs>
1: No, they purposely did not show 11 Tina Turner and Mad Max beyond Thunderdome because she would have been terrified and left the show. They would have had to recast.
0: Who is doing Miss Turner this badly? These wigs are atrocious.
1: All right. But isn't it cute that she came on stage with this? It is. That's lovely. Wig wig technology
2: had not really advanced that much I by the time guess. this movie was made and but she in 2013 she should have she should have known better yeah you know well like i said the wig technology is still lagging behind i think <laughs> I think it's a cute- like there was there's prime wig technology when like you know 1700s everyone's got a wig right like that was when i think people put craft into wigs the now, wig yeah it's you know it's just one of those things that like Artisanship is really yeah. taking it down. If you
1: down. were in England in the
2: 1700s, you had a wig or a Tory. Oh god, oh boy. Um, so this movie, yeah, George Miller didn't want to make Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Oh, the, or Mad Max Beyond Wigs.
0: Beyond, um, <laughs> I just watched
1: a bunch of Tina Turner music videos, and I happened to get to the one for Mad Max.
2: Uh, is, is there a movie associated with this? No. Uh, yeah, well, that music video was directed by George Miller, who directed half of this movie, which I forgot. Oh, yes. By some standards, a third. By some standard, yeah, the action sequence, which may be 20 minutes. Right. Uh, yeah, but his, his producing partner, who had done a lot of the work on um, The Road Warrior and Mad Max, died. Byron Kennedy. Uh, Byron Kennedy. The end of this movie says, for Byron. And so he wasn't too interested in making this. And so he essentially had a friend, another George, uh, George, definitely an Australian name, Aga, Ogilvy. 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 It looks like Oogie Loves. That's what it looks like. It looks like Oogie Loves and the Big Balloon Adventure. Uh, They directed uh, two thirds of Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome.
0: That does explain Um, a lot.
2: Yeah, so he turns it over to his friend who does all these theater production that he knows. I actually think it would have been nice for him to turn it over to George S. Miller... The Australian director with his same name, who directed such classics as uh, the Neverending Story Two, Zeus okay. and Roxanne, oh, Andre, uh named George Miller, and so when you search on Voodoo for George Miller, you can get and other movies he's directed, you can get very confused at his directing history. Uh, but he did he did turn over to another George. He's like, "I will let someone with fifty percent of my name direct this movie." <laughs> But not a hundred percent of my name. Yeah, and uh, he directed the non-action sequences. Peter, I, I had trouble getting a list of what that what that entails. I imagine we're talking like he directed the last twenty minutes and the th- uh, the Thunderdome fight, and maybe that's it.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, it, it sounds like essentially he was in mourning. He needed help. He called on a uh, a fellow Australian he could trust, and. Uh, he was like, I'm willing to come in and do the sort of trademark Mad Max action scenes or in his head, he was like, I just don't have the emotional uh, elasticity to sit and do like first unit sitting with the actors, making sure their performances are prepared kind of stuff. Or maybe he didn't, he just didn't, maybe he's basically like by saying he's like a co-director, that's just a fancy way of him saying like, I'm an assistant unit director. But George yeah. Miller would never at that point maybe career saying career become look, assistant we, we director,
2: right? Yeah, he, I mean, he's just like, look, you can direct, we don't need another director. Yeah. And maybe, we don't need another hero. and maybe they needed his name on it
0: to
1: they needed his name on it to to sell tickets i mean yeah it's like amanda says we don't need another hero that's a really smart that's a really like clever thing to say amanda um thank you
0: i am a doctor uh,
1: yeah it's something that only a doctor could come up with
0: absolutely
1: but yeah like I, i i feel like that's behind the scenes some of that darkness and some of that like conflict with this movie actually getting done It 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 does show. There's like a slight like contrast to some of the um, how the action scenes feel versus the rest of the movie, Um, and even how certain action scenes are directed against one another. Certain action scenes have a lot of bite and and a certain sense of violence that the previous movies have, and certain action scenes just feel feel grossly cartoonish in a way that really detracts from the movie.
0: Yeah, I I I really feel like this movie is kind of all over the place in a lot of ways. It's just there's so many things that just don't connect, don't make sense, too much going on and then you do you'll you'll have a set piece that's really great and you know that feels like it's got stakes and feels like things are happening and then in, there's a cute little kid doing something wacky and I don't you know I don't know um
1: yeah, this feels like a movie that like uh in my estimation, it's like this is a movie that fucking rules like uh and and I'll explain what I mean by that. Similar to, there's a lot of movies that I think of like that, like uh, Cloud Atlas. Off the top of my head, there's a movie Wolfen that I think fucking rules. And but they're but all these movies are not necessarily like fully functional. I don't mean they're like the best movie of all time. I I mean they rule, but they're not like all there. Like yeah. Cloud Atlas is kind of a mess at times, and I bring that up because it has a similar issue to this, where like. Uh, Oh how do we how do we uh, communicate that people in the future have like a new mutated version of English let's come up with a really condescending awkwardly stilted version of English that's really uncomfortable to listen to Um, and, and like both those movies fucking both of these movies fucking rule it's a fucking Thunderdome and Tina Turner sings a song at the end of the movie about how rad Mad Max is like there's no way I'm not gonna love the movie but we need to accept that Thunderdome has some serious limitations
2: yeah. Um. In what way?
1: Um. There's there's only one Thunderdome. If they had two Thunderdomes, I mean, we would have we would have gotten there.
2: Yeah. I. So I. When I first saw this movie, I didn't really like. I'm sure I saw the two directors' names and didn't. You know, was like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> I don't know. I definitely. I didn't do the research to go like George Miller was sad and didn't want to direct a lot of the movie and did the action scenes and like we don't. You know, I. So. I had I guess built it up in my head. I saw it before um Fury Road by a couple years but hadn't seen it before that as I had the other two and You're I, would I have built been
1: it up if in... you would watched it right after Fury Road,
2: right? I feel like every 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 action <laughs> I feel movie like all... was doomed for years after. I Fury feel Road. like in some ways all three of these wouldn't have looked great in front of Fury, like right. they just like. I mean, we we talk about this next week because we already recorded it, but Fury Road just even rewatching all these is undoubtedly the best one. Yeah, um, and one of like just the best movies ever. So yeah, so I had but I had avoided because it, it was PG thirteen, which seemed like ooh, you know, it's not like there's that much brutality, but there is an adult feel in those movies. And I just always heard it was the shitty one. They didn't make any more after that. And so I avoided it right. for, you know, 15 years or whatever it is. And finally I decided I – I re-watched The Road Warrior and I decided I'm going to give this Thunderdome a chance. And I ended up really loving it. I uh, thought it was great. Uh, and I don't know if that's, like, low expectations meeting some, like, really exciting moments that I wasn't expecting. But then you go back and, like, look at the reaction to this movie among critics at the time – And it's polarized, but you have like Ebert who gives it four stars, puts it on his top 10 1985 list, calls it one of the best movies of the year. I feel like looking at Letterbox reviews now among people that we mutually follow, it's a little bit of a mixed bag. It is a weird movie in that like structurally, as Peter kind of said, like you have um, just a different Mad Max arriving into a town. Um, and then you you like it really has defined three act structure, right? Oh yeah. Where where there where it's not just defined, it's like almost like vignettes. Like here's him yeah. in the in the barter town. Here's him with the kids. Here's him trying to make an escape. So yeah, it's a, it's an odd movie. It's one I still very much enjoyed watching. My wife watched 50 minutes, and then was like, "I'm done with this," and went to bed. <laughs> uh, she really she really likes Fury Road, and she's like, "Oh, I'll watch one of the other Mad Max movies." Did not care for it
1: yeah uh, she, my, my, she left well, before meeting the really children either um she didn't hate it she was like it's good, it's good but at the end of it she was like and then he did fury road
2: yeah <laughs> right uh, yeah it's, it's a little bit of a change uh but we can talk more about that in the movie proper before we do that amanda what have you seen this movie have you seen this movie before what's your history with the mad max movies in general
0: um so i never i i was not like a huge mad max person like it was just not for whatever reason, it wasn't necessarily a thing that I really remember either growing up with or kind of coming to as a teenager. Um, I do have, I, and watching it again, um, I was like, okay, I, I remember these visuals. So I remember seeing it, you know, I was probably like, six or seven and and was in the room when it was on so I wasn't like watching it I was just in the room so there were certain scenes where it's like oh yeah like this visual seems very familiar I do have these memories Um, of course I remember the Tina Turner song and like the the visuals of the video Um, but like Mad Max lore all of that is not something that I've ever really been particularly into Um, so I mean obviously I've seen Fury Road But, you know, I'm just sort of like a casual Mad Max aficionado.
2: Uh, So so you're you're a filthy casual.
0: Yes, absolutely.
2: So you felt nothing when his wife died.
0: (laughs) It's fine. I mean, it's it's story.
1: Amanda started salivating. She was like,
2: I know he can become (laughs) who he's fated to be. Yeah.
0: Oh God! Or oh. she's
2: like, finally, he can be mine. Oh God! Nell, no. Nell Gibson,
0: oh. Oh. <laughs> sporting some mighty fine Braveheart hair in this.
2: Oh yeah, I was, was gonna yeah,
0: say that. that too.
1: He's, he's getting his hair ready for Braveheart a full yep. decade earlier, whatever. <laughs> Not a decade. I'm gonna years. say I'm
2: gonna say this. Tom Cruise did it too. I fucking hate the Braveheart hair. I hate the Vanilla Sky Tom Cruise hair. So they bad. Don't like. I don't like him. Nope. Like I don't like the look.
0: Nope. at all. Nope, nope. I was no. going
1: to disagree almost entirely. <laughs> You're going to disagree, <laughs> and uh, on on Mel Gibson, not on uh, not on uh, uh, Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise looks weird with long hair because Tom Cruise is clearly like a clean cut, like yeah. robotic nerd, and like long hair just seeks to highlight that. Um, yeah. the short hair, the short hair, the Jack Reacher look is really what what he's supposed to be doing in this movie. Yeah. Mel Gibson looks pretty goddamn good with the long the long Braveheart hair until they make him chop it.
0: Does he, A uh, hard disagree. Yeah, no. Just, just you're, you're on your own late. on that one. Sure, was, I'm on my own. on
1: planet right.
0: <laughs> I was thankful that the feral children gave him a haircut.
2: Yeah, I was happy. Like, the best thing the kids did is give him a haircut. That, was I the, no.
0: that should have been the only point of the children, was to give him a haircut, and then he went on his way. That really should have
1: been it. <laughs> I love the contrast, though, that, like, we're introduced to him, and, like, he has adapted to a new type of road and there's no longer like roads proper anymore. Now we're just dealing with these like sandy overrun dust fields. And that, that actually leads pretty nicely into Fury Road and on a sort of like, if you're, you're building a lore, a lorelet here, uh, the roads, the, this, the sands have finally covered the roads and the idea that Max is like, now he doesn't just have a car he now has fucking camels is such a badass way to introduce us to this dude and the long hair
2: long hair looks badass Mm, no no the camels are good i hate it not a fan peter no no
0: say something if
1: you look like mel gibson from that year i think you can do whatever the fuck you want with your hair
2: I think he probably did. Like, like, I don't even, like, let me tell you, I don't even like his lethal weapon mullet. The mullet. Oh, God. Like, my least favorite lethal weapon movie is four, but it's my favorite specifically when it comes to Mel Gibson's hair.
0: Yeah, his hair in the first one is crazy.
2: And and the second and the third. He kept that far too long. He was like, I know what will scare Goldie Hawn and Bird on a Wire. This hair. (laughs) I'm sorry, you guys are horny shaming
1: every woman that was alive between 1985 and 1995. I'm sorry. You're horny shaming them. But let me just
2: let me say this. So anyone you've ever... and been it's usually horny easier for. to
1: do this when it's Aaron and another guy, or just Aaron. But I'm gonna I'm just sorry. roll into this bad faith take.
2: <laughs> let me let me ask you a question. You're saying everyone you've ever been horny for, you've never had a preferential haircut. There's no, always a preferential all like haircuts that. even. I wouldn't control someone like that.
0: Oh my god!
1: It's not controlling if you have a preference. I just prefer if you wear your hair this way.
2: How does that sound, Aaron? No, you you know, you, you should that's say that's passive that. aggressive. Sounds bad, Peter. <laughs> what well, you should say is nothing, could go. Sometimes be more horny than other times. Uh,
1: Aaron, if you could get whatever haircut Tom Cruise has in uh, Ghost Protocol, um, that would just really work yeah. better for me.
2: But right, like Ghost Protocol's hair is better than Mission Impossible Two hair. Mission Impossible oh, Two yeah. hair is not good. No, it, of course it's not it's, good. it's terrible. I'm not saying yeah.
1: longer is better. I'm just saying in the specific case of Mel Gibson. But Mel Gibson literally movie, like it looks oh,
2: good. It's so bad. No, okay, let's it just never looks good. No, wants another to hour.
0: Have. No, <laughs> Mel Gibson doesn't look good. <laughs> uh, anyway, so Mel Gibson circa yeah. Thunderdome. Like I get it.
1: Oh, is this the part where we mention Mel Gibson as a huge monster, and then we just no, leave it at that done because it, we cover we it, it all in our time, Lethal Weapon it's episode? We covered all there.
2: I mean, and then we covered again in, in Maverick, and we we mentioned it the last couple weeks.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's a monster. Yeah, I just Awful. I've been talking
1: up Mel Gibson. I felt for my own moral moral oh, standing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. No, no if
2: we wanted to do a bad faith back to you, it could just be like, oh, interesting that a monster turns you on, Peter. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you we're learning like, so we much like about you hair
2: better. I didn't say I, whose hair.
0: I said I we were preference. learning a lot about you, Peter. And yeah, it's not all yeah,
2: it's that I'm
1: uh have complicated feelings, uh, complicated feelings about um men before they became monsters.
2: <laughs> uh, have you ever grown your hair that long?
1: Uh, never, never like uh shoulder length.
2: It feels you never did shoulder, I did shoulder length, it was big when I was three. The mullet was big when I was in third grade. Yeah. I did, I didn't know that's what I was doing was a mullet, I just thought I had long hair. But I didn't. I just had like a, you know, tail in the back. Did you have acid wash jeans? Uh, I don't think so. I wore oh, sweatpants I had exclusively jeans. through sixth grade, so I did not.
1: Acid wash sweatpants? I was oh, all sweatpants, <laughs> oh, baby. Amanda, the more
2: pockets, the
1: better. Amanda, yeah. fashion line with me. Acid wash sweatpants. You in?
2: Uh- no, no do you think no, no. the sweat do you think the sweatpants survived that process
0: <laughs> the, the sweatpants are the problem there acid wash I is coming back too it's all right all i got back.
1: a guy he's got a lightly used vat of acid okay. <laughs> he said he said the joker fell in there like a decade ago you
0: know, we'll just stir but. it really well it'll be fine <laughs>
1: Uh, I heard if you dip your pants in there, your pants come out and have uh, interesting ideas about social justice.
2: <laughs> my penis... That's how you describe Mal Gibson? He has interesting ideas? No, that's how I social... describe the Joker. Oh. And I thought that was just people were That's at- how you describe the Joker? Oh, I'm the Cloud Prince of Crime?
1: Amanda, did you have something to say that wasn't what Aaron said?
0: No. I'd like to hear that, too. I really don't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'll ever like have anything you. to say ever again.
2: Uh, I, need
1: to, I need to crank up Amanda's volume because I feel like us two uh, loud assholes are talking over. Uh, oh, here, this is I'll definitely
2: try. a coronavirus episode where our minds are elsewhere. We're just yelling at each other about hair.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and th- So, yeah, uh, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Have we said the name of the movie yet or just said Mad Max and Thunderdome? <laughs> no, separately. we said
2: I did the whole where we love to watch
1: it in the theme month. It was at the beginning. Sorry, I was taking a. Uh, a coronavirus kit
2: um <laughs> and try to try to assemble a test kit cuz no one in the states can. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, um, well, someone someone's got to be able to put these together. I have the cheek swab part <laughs> down, but after that I'm kind of lost.
2: <laughs> you don't do cheek. It's nose. That's what that's your
1: problem. Oh, mm-hmm. ow. Sorry. Uh yeah, so so do we want to transition? Well,
2: I don't know. Yeah, let's transition. Yeah. <laughs> Smoothly <laughs> and Im- almost imperceptibly. So transition. seamless. All, All right, right well let's do talk- let's do
1: this really let's do this really smoothly. Hey, Aaron, do you want to play a song right now, and then we'll come back and talk about the movie some more?
2: <laughs> I'm just gonna play tones. <laughs> just to, <laughs> it's gonna be like the, the the forgetting Sarah Marshall thing. But sure, Peter. Or like conceptually number station. and directionally, I agree with what you're saying. Uh, this is wild.
1: Yeah, let's talk about Man Max Beyond Thunderdome. I already cut you out. That part's not gonna be in <laughs> <laughs> Yes. taglines for mad max beyond thunderdome
2: uh if you want thunderdome sorry we passed it <laughs> you missed it 100 miles to the you gotta go but you gotta go back a long way actually what's your gps say
1: <laughs> you don't want to go down that road that road leads it, straight to the thunderdome and then beyond that's it.
2: the tagline yeah um if you go, yeah. If you if you hit the Thunderdome, you've gone way too far. <laughs> um, uh, Are you gonna say like it felt like you were uh, about to throw out your own alternate tagline, Peter, and then you just stopped? Yeah, I didn't want to. I didn't want to rescue
1: this from you from that pit, that underworld. Are you saying there's like pig shit down here? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Nothing. but hey, pig shit. Hey, I'm the name, one baby. that. Just to be clear, I'm the one that makes all of your uh, electricity for your neon (laughs) signs. There's Um, a lot
0: of neon signs.
2: There's a lot of neon signs. That's one of the most important things you need to do post-apocalypse. You got to let people know where the stores are, where the action are. Mm. Or otherwise, they're going to be like, just think it's a rock.
1: Here's Here's a tagline. Public advisory... That weird, Aust- that weird blonde Australian guy with the big teeth is not the same as the weird blonde Australian guy with the big teeth from the last movie.
0: That's just what Australians look places.
1: like. It's just what they look like.
0: Yeah. I really thought, uh,
2: watching these back to back, the actor refused I thought, to be on the ground. He was like, I, "Yeah, <laughs> I'm in a whirly I'm bird, a,
1: I'm in a plane, <laughs> or I am not doing it.
2: Just to be clear, I'm a plane guy exclusively. If you want to use me for plane scenes, great. Otherwise, forget it. I honestly thought that he has a kid too. I thought the kid was the wasteland, the boomerang kid from the first. Like the, when I first saw this, uh, yeah. Why would I not think that this is a direct continuation? He's got planes. He's got a child that he's looking after. Sure, seems like the same people. Could you could also call this movie Planes, Trains, and Automobiles? Oh, technically, you can call it. You can call it any movie whatever you want. That's true. That's <laughs> that's, that's how names work. Anyway. Peter, you wanna give us a
1: whole recap? Sure can, boss. Uh anyways, Mad Max, he's heading right towards Barter Town. Uh he's in a he's in a oh, old... uh,
2: Peter, sorry. Who runs Bartertown?
1: <coughs> when I say this I need you to pay close attention.
2: Yeah. Okay? Simple question, Peter. We're Master listening.
1: Blaster.
2: Sorry, I couldn't hear you. Master Blaster. One more time? Master
0: Blaster, (laughs)
2: because on the desk it says Ted. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah,
1: sorry, Master Blaster. When they're together, they have sort of like a bro nickname, Ted. It's an inside joke. Um, Goes goes way back. Ted, okay. Go ahead. Um, So, Mad Max is on his way to Barter Town. Do you know what they do in Barter Town? They barter uh and uh exclusively at, um, exclusively barter but on the way in he gets buzzed by an airplane who uh knocks him out of his chair steals his his uh buggy steals his pet monkey steals his camels uh and it's sort of a car that runs on gas but he's dragging it by camels to save gas presumably uh or it, for cases where he runs out of gas i don't know anyways max has evolved his strategy towards the road uh in this
2: movie well he lost his car but then he found another car, I guess. Yeah,
1: I mean, in a way, I would say a uh, a uh, a carriage is a horsehead car. Mm. That is how it's commonly referred to. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we're going to call cars horseless carriages,
0: and I do that all the time,
2: as you would, uh, in in good old Houston, Texas. I'm literally never looking for the horse because I know, based on the common name, that there won't be one. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. Horse-less. it's horse-less. It's horse I never horse. look
1: at the fender of a car and I'm like, oh, there's no... Ah! That's why. There's no horse for a reason. Um, but this is actually a cameled car, uh, if you will. And we are currently eight seconds into the movie.
2: <laughs> so... Uh, max, this is gonna be one where we get to the end and that's the end of this. yeah so
1: max <laughs> yeah. gets his shit stolen he follows the trail into barter town and Bartertown is sort of a cutthroat uh cutthroat uh, fallout type like society they have strict rules they have a thunderdome that you can uh challenge people to fight in well we'll be back in that in a second um and beyond that uh and also in town there's a uh f- sort of uh fanatical leader uh, charismatic leader I should say named Auntie played by Tina Turner. Um, so when we refer to Tina Turner as Tina Turner, you won't be confused. And auntie uh, makes uh, makes Max an offer says I'll get all your shit back for you but you gotta defeat my rival. Her rival is all together now one, two, three Master Master blaster. blaster. Oh thank you Amanda, not Aaron. Um so Master Blaster uh he 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 from Auntie's perspective he runs underworld which is the the methane fueled methane fueling station underneath Bartertown where they have pigs they process pig shit into methane fumes and that runs the lights uh runs all the engines and everything in uh Bartertown. And without without that uh Auntie's kind of useless. Uh she she uh, People have grown accustomed in to this town because of the electricity. Um, so Max challenges the uh, the Master Blaster to a fight. He discovers that the before the fight, he discovers that Master Blaster has a weakness. He defeats Master Blaster in a battle using a whistle. And uh, I should say we should explain who Master Blaster is. Master is a, a little person that rides on the back of Blaster, which is a big, brutish, tough guy, sort of a, a mountain like character from like a more recent you know uh thing um sort of the the enforcer for master's will so the battle is is, is in this thunder they're gonna, gonna they're
2: gonna be connected characters throughout the whole movie you're gonna get to see a lot of these two together
0: connected yeah, literally and and plot sure. wise
1: friends to eternity loyalty honesty they're friends together through thick or thin it's true so the so Max uh, challenges Blaster to help out Auntie to get his own shit back, um, and he uh, he defeats Blaster with this whistle trick. And then when he takes off Blaster's helmet, he discovers that Blaster is mentally challenged and has basically been exploited by um, Master and uh, into being essentially his brute and to enforce uh, Master's will, but in a. It, in a far more unethical way than previously presumed. Um, it, you assumed it, they were equal partners before. But So Max refuses to kill uh, Blaster. Tina Turner freaks the fuck out, has one of her henchmen shoot the guy. Um,
2: Max, She's really subtle about the deal they had together. Yeah. yeah and oh, then, yeah. And, yeah. Then
1: it, and then Max, she considers it betrayal that Max didn't do this, and also he sort of says to the crowd, like, this wasn't part of the deal. Master uh, reveals that, you know uh i'm like he had more affection for blaster than it previously was assumed and uh yeah so uh blaster's, blaster's dead master has been uh imprisoned for the re- rest of the movie by tina turner because he's the brains of the operation he knows how the gas works and then um max is subject to another one of their strange punishments uh where they spin a big wheel and on that wheel uh, it has a number of punishments and one of them is essentially a special form of exile called uh, gulag, uh, <laughs> which is weird because that's like already a, already a word. Um, so uh, it's, a diff-
2: it's a different one,
1: though. Yeah, <laughs> only so many. Is this words. the one that Stalin did to millions of people?
0: Yeah, I, d- uh-huh. I don't think he put uh, fiberglass giant heads on people. Stalin
2: was a big game show dude. He's yeah, like I mean maybe Let's spin the wheel. That was. G- Common Stalin quote. He would say that, didn't he? I mean, he said it in Russian, presumably, but.
0: For our friends in foreign lands.
2: Rashat Kolesko. Feels like what I said, but go ahead. Uh,
1: so uh, Stalin would put certain <laughs> fiberglass heads on people, uh, turn them backwards on a horse, and send them off into the desert. Um, mm-hmm. without uh, you know, with a a, a strange <laughs> stick with water on it that's like doomed to spill over. Um, just it just seems it. elaborate. Accept it. <laughs> it. Seems elaborate.
0: It's excessive. Um,
1: yeah. It's also a wasteful of a horse in a post-apocalyptic society. But anyways, yeah, I, Max survives that, gets rescued by some ki- some chillins. Uh They're oh. all Lord of the Flies children living in this beautiful sort of gully, and Max sees it as sort of an idyllic place. But he's confused by these children, and they tell him, "I was they're, too." They're...
0: Which one is Rufio?
1: <laughs> it's very Hook esque, though
2: it came before Hook. It's very like <laughs> kids sort of. I don't think it's very Hook esque, like in... except that there's children and one adult.
1: You mean that they're all swinging on ropes and they've come up with stupid their own stupid little language? And exactly. I think
2: that's just hold on. I think that's just Australian. <laughs> I think that's just. I think that's just like post-apocalyptic Australian plus. There's no society slang. I don't. I don't think you can blame the kids for that. And as someone who has seen Hook quite a lot to this day, I. I don't think that the cook kids invent all that much of their own slang they got bangarang but that's like it what else do they got they don't say other they don't, don't see like a mermaid and they go there's a flipper flapper they call mermaids
1: fine and they sort of idealize they idealize uh max as a figure uh to a, a almost comical extent uh in one reveal but do they, you think the do you
2: think the boys in hook idealize robin hood or not robin hood peter pan they hate him they think he's an asshole yeah and then they is not though worship him no at the like that's the end they're like oh i guess you are peter pan oh i'm sorry I'm gonna that, go I'm sorry that fight. the character
1: arc doesn't match up one to one that means things aren't in any way similar Aaron. They're aesthetically very similar and they come from a similar vein. That's the entire point of the show, is comparing stuff to
2: I guess so here's my thing. I'm not trying to make Peter weirdly upset. Uh, <laughs> I will this whole thing, the air. wheels are falling off. As someone who both really likes Hook and really likes this movie and saw this on 40 letterbox reviews, I feel like it is like lazy <laughs> criticism, like, oh look, it's like a it's like a hook situation. Eight years before Hook came yeah, out. Yeah, it's like, weird.
1: It's like I'm using
2: shorthand so I can get through this synopsis, Aaron. Well, maybe you should have used medium hand. Now it's become long hand. If you had used medium hand, we would have been fine.
1: Um, Amanda, you're a doctor. Is 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 there such a thing as medium hand?
0: Uh, no. Oh,
1: okay. Um, so we're not a doctor behavior. of hands. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm hidden. a doctor of ham. Oh. Mm, once a year close. i'm a doctor of hands <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, they're in a a lord of the flies scenario sure that's why we're using shorthand uh that we all understood why not use another shorthand that we all can understand but they worship uh they worship a figure called what's it captain miller captain yeah captain miller uh yeah Cap-
2: is it really captain miller i think like so. like the director's it- name no, maybe it's not Captain Miller. Cat- Max- Cap Captain, Captain Hook? Something. It says Hook. <laughs> <laughs> oh, never mind, Peter. Says, I take everything back. It says <laughs>
1: Uh um they they uh they they worship this figure called Captain Miller. Um and uh this this Captain is Miller they live essentially in the shadow of this crashed uh, 747 plane. Um, and there was a carvings in the wall. Um, and so all these, these kids that can, um, speak English, uh, but poorly, um, they all just, dis- they all have a sort of cargo cult attachment to this crash 747 and this inscription on the wall. And they, sor- they form a, 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 a sort of religious movement around this idea of this Captain Miller this Christ like figure that will come and save them all by by lifting up this crash 737 or 747 and uh, flying them off uh to a promised land um very, sim- very uh traditional sort of deliverance uh you know myth um and very max very similar to deliverance <laughs> and max uh, <laughs> max being max comes in as like yeah like None of this is true. Like I have can't do anything for you. Thanks for the water, um, but we're we should probably stay here. This place is pretty sweet. Max is even like Max is pretty much like yeah, fuck my stuff. Like this place rules. Like the water's yeah. clean.
2: Like you you found a place. That's what everyone's looking for. You're you're set. Right.
1: Exactly. So um, Max and then Max uh, breaks all of them. Kind of uh, breaks all of them. Their their hearts um, by refusing the call to action. Um, and half of them refuse to, to accept it. Um, and they try and go off in the desert and the other half are, uh, you know, becoming more pragmatic and realistic and saying, all right, well, this place is pretty cool. Like let's stay. Uh, but the ones that go off in the desert sneak off in the middle of the night, um, and Max goes after them to rescue them. And by the time that they rescue them, they're out of resources and they have to go to Barter Town to go back. Now, this is where it gets kind of weird because they decide they're going to steal Max. <laughs> this is where it gets weird. This is where the plot gets really weird because not only do they decide they're stealing Max's truck back, but then they don't actually steal his truck. They steal someone else's truck. But they also decide yeah. they have to steal Master from Auntie because I guess this town isn't allowed to have gas for some reason, the movie uh, sympathizes us with Master in the last act. Um,
0: yeah, which is a very strange turn.
1: Yeah, yeah, like a slave driver who ran a slave city under, the, <laughs> under town. Right, and yeah. exploited Exploited a, a, a mentally challenged man uh, until his death.
2: I don't want this to sound insensitive because I don't think this is a good thing. But I feel like there is a little bit of like, well, let's get all the short people. The one team.
1: There is something going on there. There is yeah. some sort of, jo- like, probably insensitive joke going on where they're like... we will have- fit in great.
2: Yeah. Because same height. It almost feels yeah. like... It almost
1: feels like it's uh, the sort of shorthand that uh, that uh, Gilliam used in Time Bandits, where he, was, where he was like, well, this is a joke just by looking at a short person that's funny, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. It definitely feels like that. It doesn't feel like that so much in the first half. No, no, no. Master is very one.
1: imposing at, in yeah, the first Yeah. One. Right.
2: Yeah, and then the end he sort of joins the
1: gang. Um for you know serving serving some purposes to get the hell out and also he's been humbled by no longer being um the owner of Bartertown. Mm-hmm. Uh and the uh the gang steals a train. No
2: longer runs Bartertown. Gang steals. Blaster. Uh well no sorry longer. uh who um uh, who owns Bartertown? I was, I was going to say, who no longer owns Bartertown? <laughs> who has renounced their ownership of Bartertown? Mr. Blasters! No. That no longer has Bartertown. No.
0: <laughs> who retired from their status as owner of Bartertown? Who put it in his two weeks' notice? <laughs> <laughs> Here's a gold watch!
1: I left Bartertown in the, the will to my children. <laughs> uh, Who's
2: being dishonestly discharged?
1: <laughs> Mr. Blister um
2: so mr blister instead sounds like a uh ointment <laughs> that cures <laughs> your does. blisters uh it's just a guy who's oh no watch. not another blister <laughs> don't worry kids it's like an animated person probably five years ago voiced by tj miller unfortunately
0: <laughs> god
2: and they are in fact the owner of barter Town.
0: TJ Miller's probably really excited to get that Mr. Blister gig now.
1: <laughs> he needs that scratch.
0: <laughs> he needs it.
1: Um, but yeah, so uh, they they go on the road with uh, a train. Um, they steal Master. Uh, Tina Turner says, "Kill them all. Let's let's go. Let's go after them." Um, the tra- there's a big train battle that sort of feels like an err version of the some of the uh, convoy scenes in Fury Road. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it does
2: very much so. Um yeah. this feels more Fury Roady than we talked about it last week with the Road Warrior, but rewatch like rewatching both. This feels like the like the the stepping stone to Fury Road more than uh the ending of road
1: there's more steady cams it's more um the shots are more clean like it's it's less it's less chaotic energy and and in that way it kind of detracts from it a little bit because it kind of feels like a halfway step between the like wild uh you know live wire energy of of road warrior and um Mm -hmm. the full-on like like theatrical uh, 1920s style theatrical uh presentation of uh of fury road but anyways um, yeah without getting into value judgments let's uh let's 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 finish this up so there's um there, there's a big battle um a lot of uh, auntie's men are kind of foiled in their attempt to uh to you know uh, to take the crew um they run into the the pilots from earlier the little kid and his dad and um during this max gets his car back during the fight or you know after the fight and then um essentially there's a moment where max needs to sacrifice himself he's too heavy to be on the plane um the way the math works out though i feel like it's like a matter of 30 pounds because they trade out max for like a 12 year old (laughs) i don't know yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, but whatever it's fine It, it makes movie movie emotional sense where it's like
2: you think they kept that record player (laughs) that's what they needed
0: (laughs) (laughs) we can only keep Max or the Victrola what do we do he's
1: like tuck and roll (laughs) Um, but yeah so they I don't know why they didn't get rid of the slave driver and throw him off the fucking plane um anyways they really wanted him to not go back to Bartertown. they uh the the kids go off on a uh, on the the plane off into the sunset we'll get back to them in a second max makes a sacrificial move to drive his truck at the oncoming uh the oncoming uh auntie's army he fucks up one of auntie's men uh one of auntie's trucks and slows down their convoy um and then crashes and looks like auntie's about to execute him and then for some reason she's just like she says ain't we a pair?" i have no yeah, i have no. no idea what the fuck the ending means and then she just is like I, that was fun whatever <laughs> i'm going home
2: like yeah to my i honestly yeah, was... forgot i was like oh shit they have this conflict he doesn't get on the plane I'm like what what's the uh what happened and it's like well toodles you know i could have a boy that? max you know i
1: could have yeah.
0: fixed that see that, you that, wouldn't want to be a, yeah
2: you know, you know what could have fixed that is if
1: Auntie is like I want to keep the town together, I want to keep the town together, but in two scenes she confides in Max like two different points. Earlier she confides in Max like what I really want is to leave and go back to the road. I loved being a creature of the road and Max is like no, society is better. And it would have strengthened yeah. both of their characters because Max is now seeking out you know the comfort of a society, but he's stuck in sort of this like poisonous barter town, and she is in control of barter town. So, to sp- well, Master Blaster Blaster is arguably in control d- of barter. Honestly,
2: town. how how dare you?
1: Um, but she's arguably, uh, I don't know, the, the the treasurer, the comptroller of barter town. <laughs> um, so and so she and, and if she like yearned for the road, I would have been like, oh, Mad Max going to war with her gave her like a thrill of the road she's she's got her pack she's just gonna go off into the sunset too to to you know continue her her path forward instead it's like she seems like she wants her town to be active she doesn't get her guy back and she uh doesn't kill max and uh i don't understand auntie at all as a character uh and then uh, the kids fly off into the sunset and they go back to sydney which is uh a ruined husk but they that it's Th- them deciding to light the fires and rebuild the city of light on their own. I
2: don't disagree with any of that. I think all that stuff happens. That that's, took forever to yeah, get through. That
1: but that it stuff is a complicated happens. movie because it's not. It doesn't have clear. A, You're B- like describing
2: three movies. Yeah.
0: yeah, and I think that's my problem with it is that there are so many distinct things going on that don't hang together at the end. Yeah, it feels like they. Ran, it
1: feels like they ran out of money or something. They were like, they they were like, well. We were supposed to have this big sequence with Max and, and auntie having a conflict and that would explain why the ending is that way or and also like the fact that the movie does feel this is a P, this is a PG-13. This is the first PG-13 uh mm-hmm. Mad Max movie. The only PG-13 Mad Max movie. And the the sort of uh the, the the sort of lighter touch that they bring to this, the more comical touch to it at times feels like it completely compromises the stakes of the movie. Like the action scenes yeah. feel very neutered at times.
0: Yeah. And I, and I feel like a lot of the comedy comes in and you're just like, Oh, yeah. I guess that's funny. I don't know. It, 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 there were times where, especially, um, especially on the train with the little kids and master where it just, didn't work, and the jokes just—I I don't know. It, obviously, it this kind knowing smile for out of me. me.
1: You're right. Like it didn't get—it didn't get a yeah. chuckle out of me pretty much ever. But it did get it me a, a sort yeah, of but you're like, like, "Oh, yeah. that's
2: kind of clever." So I'm gonna like the jokes are bad. Although I do like the the joke um Chekhov's record being a. Uh, the most useless record that could possibly Like, I think that's funny. Oh,
1: that scene's amazing. And it, and it's like, that's, that's the Mad Max weirdness. Like, and, and the yeah, fact yeah, that and- right before this big storm, there's a moment where it's just like kids quietly playing with a record is like the sweet little moment is George Miller. That yep. That's, that is the, that is the, yeah. as weird as that scene is. And if you're annoyed with the kids by now, like, yeah, it probably is annoying. I wasn't annoyed with the kids at that point. I actually got less annoyed with them. The further away we got from, um, Fern Gully. Um, yeah,
0: the the Ferngully bits were – all. that was a lot to take. Yeah. And raised so many questions that they didn't answer.
2: I guess, like – I don't know. I like the cargo cult thing, which is something that if you've never read up about is very inter- – like, I, I remember I, I probably – it's probably been like 10 years since I first was introduced to, like, this idea of uh, people going onto islands and leaving – and then, right. you know, yeah. these cults that rise up around them. So it's not all that fleshed out. I just think it's so short. Like, the amount of time that they're in Kidville is, I don't know, 30 minutes, 25 minutes. Like, it doesn't feel that long before they're off on their mission. Like, what yeah. I think is – so my biggest problem with this movie – I really do love this movie. I, I Well, love is a strong word. I really, really like this movie. Um, I do think it is the weakest of the four. But not by much of a margin. Like, the, 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 the space between, for me anyways, The Road Warrior and this is about, you know, a little bit uh, wider than the space between Mad Max and, uh, and, and The Road Warrior. But it's still a movie that I would watch over and over again. I feel like where the movie really falls down is it has three distinct ideas and the connecting tissue is bad. So, yes. when he I does agree. his stupid gulag and which is which is long, like him wandering the desert and Super then the long. monkey comes and saves him for some yeah. reason. Like it's it's so boring. And it goes on for like 10 minutes and doesn't make any fucking sense. And then the reason they have to yeah. go back to Bartertown doesn't make any fucking sense. Right. Either. And it's yeah. like this, like, once they're escaping Bartertown, Town, I, l- like, yeah, there's some dumb jokes, but, like, I think those action scenes are kinetic. I fucking love them, like, as much as I did the first time I saw it, but, like, I feel like it's where the movie sags is the connecting tissue between acts mm-hmm. that it just does not have a grasp on. And then once it gets into the act, I'm usually pretty into it. I, I Yeah, the Cargo Cult stuff, the kids, I was kind of joking a little, Peter, in the in the recap, because... I feel like people go, "Oh, Mad Max with kids! I don't want to see that." And then like that becomes an eye roll, and now it's a, like a joke about the movie. And I'm not, I don't, I don't mean to sound offensive about it, but it is like, I, like I actually I think they did something interesting with it, and I do like the idea of like all these kids forming this like society that's a little bit separate from all the adult societies and stuff like that. And uh, you can say it makes no sense in the world, but sure, like. I also kind of like that... Like, Can I jump um, in
1: there real quickly? Sorry. Hold on to your second thought. Um, okay, yeah. <clears throat> the way I think about that is... I'm 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 with you. I like the kids' stuff, and I like that that's, um, that's part of it. The way I think about it is as an adult watching Return of the Jedi, where um, I actually was... I surprised myself that, like, I, I didn't dislike the Ewoks. I actually found the Ewok stuff pretty charming, um, and I liked it a lot, but... Um, <laughs> Whereas I turned at age ten or something, and I was like, "Ewoks are stupid." Like the sort of the sort of meme about this movie is that the kid stuff is stupid. The meme about Return of the Jedi is that the Ewoks ruin the movie. But that's not—I don't think that's true about either movie. I think that Return of the Jedi and Beyond Thunderdome are both, in my mind, compromised by other stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And while I like both movies, they're compromised by more key directorial like nuts and bolts how they decided to execute scenes and how they decided to edit scenes together and 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 how the character dynamics work like stuff that's harder to pin down yeah and so it's easier to pin it and just say i didn't like that movie like what are you pinning it on well the annoying kids i didn't like the movie what are you pinning it on the ewoks so sorry. Continue your point. I just wanted to jump in there because that's. I think about them as Ewoks, where they're not actually the bad part of the movie, but it's the easiest thing to pin on the problems of the movie on.
2: Yeah, I guess that makes sense. And uh, yeah, I, seeing this like you mentioned the Ewok, it's true. Like I went through that stage a little bit too, right? Like Return of the Jedi was probably my favorite when I first saw them, not because of the Ewoks, but because I like the opening Jabba scene. There, there was a phase in my life. I think we've talked about this before, where like. By definition, sequels were always better. It was just like, well, yeah, the second one, third one's always like the more movies you make, the better they get. <laughs> yeah, it's
1: a
0: weird kid um, yeah. fallacy
2: that like operates. <laughs> That's in obviously
0: opposition. true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: And like that became true later on with the Fast and the Furious movies. But basically, what I was was a soothsayer predicting the future. Um, yeah, I guess I, so I didn't see this one though till I was an adult. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, as we the Return of the Jedi, I like like Return of the Jedi. And then I kind of bought into the Return of the Jedi and Ewok suck sometime in like high school and junior high. And then when I did a rewatch of them, when Shauna seen them before Force Awakens came out, I ended up kind of going like, I think I like Return of the Jedi slightly better than Star Wars. <laughs> uh, that's kind of where I came down at it. Like, because it is... Like, the opening stuff is great, and it is a really fun space adventure movie. Like, the biggest criticism is that Han Solo has nothing to do, which is 100% true. But yeah, I didn't see this till I was, like, you know, till five, six years ago. Six years ago. So, I didn't have, like, the kid eyes watching it, and I didn't go through the rejection period. I'm like, I like this. This is interesting. I would... know about cargo calls. <laughs> like, that's, that's kind of where I was at. I
1: actually watched this <laughs> as a kid, and I just remembered something when I was watching it that... I didn't like it as a kid, but not because uh, it felt kiddie to me, Um, though a lot of stuff Mm -hmm. when I was a kid was rejected by me because it felt like it was kiddie to me. Um, I didn't like it because all the kids stuff... Like, I had trouble understanding the accents and the weird stilt... The Australian accent plus the goofy way that they talk, that's pretty annoying. Um, I I don't think all the kids stuff is bad. I actually think it's a genius way to to make this movie about I just think they do that...
2: Sorry, sorry, but, like, they do that in Fury Road, too, like, all the while. We talked about that. It like, works in Fury Road, too. It feels so much more natural. But they're doing this, like, they're doing the same thing, and so I guess it doesn't bother me as much.
1: I, I felt, it felt so much more stilted and awkward and, and try. It felt embarrassing to me when they're doing the, the, uh, the Lorelet explaining. Um, and I didn't mean to interrupt with that, but I'm just saying, like, the kids' stuff, the kids' stuff in this, I think you're, you're right. Like, this is a, I don't think the kid stuff ruins the movie. I just think that it has, um, I have some issues the way with the way it's executed. Um, and I, I but yeah, surprisingly when I was a kid, I thought that the, I think it was just cause I couldn't understand what the fucking people were saying. I, I right. can understand what anybody in Bartertown was saying, but the kids, the Australian accent plus like dropping articles and sometimes verbs was like, wait, what?
0: <laughs> well, and I, and I think my main problem with it is it, it, it isn't the kids. I am I mean, it's goofy, but I I think it makes sense story wise. I just those connecting parts mm-hmm. don't hang together. So it's like, oh, he's in Bartertown. Oh, this story's over. Now he's with these kids. Oh, wait. Now we've got to figure out how to get him and the kids back in Bartertown, and then and then out of Bartertown. And then what are we gonna do? And it. It feels like, it, it just feels like, especially that last, the, the last act is just like, Oh crap. We have all of this stuff. How do we put this all back together and make it make sense? And then we have an ending that isn't an ending, but you know, it's, so I, I think for me, um, again, like I hadn't seen it in probably 30 years. So seeing it again, like those were the frustrating moments for me where I was like, okay you're going here why are we going here what are we doing here and i agree like the the gulag scene is way too long like i get okay it's moses wandering in the desert mm-hmm. you know like i get it you don't have to belabor the point you know um and then you know he's finding these children it's i i don't know Th- there was a point where i was like yeah 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 how is this hanging together it's not hanging together and i i feel mm-hmm. that's it's not. It's not the world's fault. Like I, this. Obviously, this is a world that I'm interested in. That I. I, I want to see how these stories play out. But I just. I wanted it to make a little more sense.
1: <laughs> You're right. <laughs> you know, it, it feels it feels disjointed in a way that like, probably is a result of its production being.
0: Oh, it has to be. Yeah. yeah. Like,
1: as Aaron said, they they a, a key member of the crew died. A close friend of George Miller's died. Um, while they were literally, like, the money was in place, the, the cast was in place, like, they were literally going there to location scout, and he died in, like, a helicopter crash, and, like, the, the, like, relentless, the relentless machine that is, like, movie making, like, for whatever, yeah. whatever reason, George Miller was, like, I'm going forward, I'm going forward, but I need some help, and, um. Uh, I admire the movie being as fun as it is, but it does have a yeah. it does have a disjointed quality that I think wouldn't have happened if, if George Miller had uh the full full ability to step away and get some perspective and not just be rushed into a massive soul draining project when he just suffered a huge tragedy. Like, that's such a hard I, – I don't blame him for doing like that. And I like that we have right. the movie. I like that we have the movie as it is. Like I said, the movie yeah. rules. It's just the movie is also kind of broken.
0: <laughs> right. No, I mean, I, I think there are aspects of it that are a lot of fun. Um. You know, I I, I he put me in front of Tina Turner acting like the queen that she is, and I'm going to have a good time. You know what I mean? What um, expert regardless, casting. Regardless – yeah, I mean, my God. It's, and usually
1: just, it's in the last two he just cast Australian weirdos. like Right. Yeah. <laughs> this
2: is so like, all right, so- <laughs> let's get some star power in there. Arguably, Tina Turner was a much bigger star than Mel Gibson. When oh, for because, sure, yeah. yeah. Mel Gibson wasn't selling I mean, up concert venues and shit like that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. He I mean, had only think-
2: been in, like, Mad Max movies and a couple Peter Weir movies no one saw.
0: Right. And she had already had, I think by that time, like, uh, Private Dancer had come out and What's Love Got yeah. to Do With It. Like, she had had all of these hits. So, she, I mean, she was a global superstar. Um, still is. I mean, God bless her. I hope I look that fabulous when I'm her age. Um, you know, it's, and is she the best actress? No. Is it fun anyway? Of course. But it doesn't really
1: matter in this kind of movie. If it doesn't matter, actress, yeah. As long as she doesn't fucking like look at the camera, <laughs> like if if she's right. giving energy and she's throwing energy in the scene, and she's she adding does, to she totally movie. does. The movie is about yeah. a cast of weirdos all trying to cobble together a society. So one big weirdo trouncing in and saying she's the queen of Bartertown is like hell yeah, get in there, Tina. <laughs> like,
0: I'm, yeah, sure, yeah, you are. Yes, ma'am, you are. Yeah, I just, I, I just wish it was. Uh, uh, slightly more seamless that everything kind of came together and gelled a little bit better
1: yeah and and there's a funny thing about like road warrior and and the original mad max that there's there's almost a sense of like um especially the original one had like a sort of lean simplicity that's really admirable where you can cast a mm. lot onto it um road warrior while very specific also does have a sort of like poetic simplicity this movie is far more maximalist in every kind of way oh for sure yeah the score is more bombastic the set design is more chaotic
2: like there's like when they tell you he did get money right like i'm not trying to be like simplistic but that he had a huge budget for this movie compared to the last two.
1: yes 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 and and in a sense, you could read a lot – in Road Warrior, you could read a lot of like the sort of hemming and hawing between survivalism and community as sort of these globalist mm-hmm. poetic sort of themes. In this movie, because it's disjointed, I'm like, well, what does Thunderdome represent? And I'm like, Thunderdome <laughs> right. represents Thunderdome, I think. Thunderdome <laughs> <Yeah>. is
2: one-to-one <laughs> one with Thunderdome.
0: With, I yes. think
2: the, the concept it's representing is the idea of subtraction. Two men enter, one man <laughs> one man So it's a movie about math.
0: It's pro-math.
2: Yeah. Um, um, see,
0: and I just can't get behind a pro-math movie.
2: <laughs> because you like art.
0: <laughs> because I like art.
1: Let's talk about the fucking Thunderdome, all right?
0: How does someone treat <gasps> yes. for Thunderdome
2: without entering Thunderdome? I don't know. I think know. you had to have been a gymnast in your past life.
0: <laughs> yeah, the... The whole, all of the the rigging, and you know, it reminded me uh, of those people who do like the aerial ballet stuff on the like ribbons.
1: Yeah, yeah. Except the, yo- the aerial yoga or whatever. Yeah, too. like it's all.
0: Except I was worried that someone was going to get tetanus. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, they did. I mean, oh, they had to have. Do? But I, I love the like... idea that it's a crate, it's a cage <laughs> that they can drop weapons in yes. and all that. But the um. That uh,
2: there's a sort but but of... But the one rule is you got to put the weapons up high.
0: Yeah.
1: There's a jankiness to this that, like, I think is uh, pretty apropos to a lot of the action sequences. Like, there's a sort of co- a com- a comic-y jankiness where, like, um, it, 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 I, I just feel like I'm watching, like, a lot of chaotic energy, but not a lot of connection, right? Like, I don't... Yeah. There's only... A, the, it's only at the end of the fight when they've split off the, the rubber bands that are holding... Right, when they're now. finally on the
0: ground. Yeah.
1: And then they're on the ground, oh, and I'm like George Miller knows how to shoot this, but them flinging at each other, like he doesn't seem to know how to make that exciting.
0: I feel like it went on too long. Man, like, ha- I feel to hard. Point, disagree. It's so oh, see, awkward. there's the, this, there's this thing where I, I forget how many times. Gibson, I mean Mel Gibson in quotes, um, like flips through the air to dodge the attack, like three or four times, doing the exact same move over and over again. That it was just like, okay, you could have done that a couple of times. And, you know, now it's just getting silly.
2: So, this probably doesn't necessarily help my point because it's kind of funny. A little bit of uh, (laughs) hyperbole from our favorite critic, Roger Ebert.
0: Oh, Roger. He
2: called, so he, he loved this movie. He said the Thunderdome scene was the first really original movie idea about how to stage a fight scene since we got the first karate movies. <laughs> so oh, I'm wow. sorry guys, I don't know how to tell you this, but
1: you are wrong. I mean oh. like But like there's ways to shoot this and the ways to shoot this are watching and, and Aaron, you're gonna hear me compliment a Marvel movie here. Any Spider Man movie, even amazing yeah. Spider Man <laughs> movie. Like you Well I this- go that far. Well, like, that's why James Cameron couldn't get it made then, Peter. <laughs> just didn't have the technology. Like the didn't have, didn't have the tech. You can at least like understand, even in the bad Spider-Man movies, you can understand the the sort of dynamics of his web slinging and all that. And this I, I just feel like I don't the scene ends and I don't understand any connection points of the scene or what his limitations are. Or like the the, the physics of the Thunderdome are very awkward to me. But I will say the scene is not is not bad. It's, it's just that it's not as uh, badass as uh, the subtitle Beyond Thunderdome uh, would suggest. Yeah. Because the only time that I'm really scared or anxious in that scene or like I don't know what's going to happen is uh, when Blaster grabs Max and Max can't get away because that's essentially them not being on the ropes anymore. <laughs> uh, right, yeah. And then when they finally get off the ropes, I suddenly I'm like connected. I'm like, oh, I know the Ooh. physics of what's going on. Mel Gibson or a stunt guy is gonna have to swing that big fucking hammer or, you know, that that'll that all that stuff kinda kinda makes sense for me. But the physics of yeah, the scene more, don't work for me.
0: Right. It, I think once they're finally untethered, they're, there's a reality there that feels like there are stakes. When they're just uh. sort of, you know, jumping up and down in gigantic sort of those baby bouncer things, it feels a little more Feels great. Circusy. I'm glad that you liked it, Aaron, because it does feel, do. it, yeah. does feel really a,
1: it does feel really original. And I was like, yeah, it does. I, and I will admit, when they pulled out the big seats, I was like, oh wait, I was feeling really confident in Max's ability. <laughs> what is he
2: gonna do? What is this shit? <laughs> like, I was thrown yeah. off in the same way he would be. I really liked the way it's not just about like the Thunderdell. Right? Like, and being strapped to it. I like the way it does almost make use of the entirety of the 3D space in a weird way. Like, in a way that you're not expecting. You see it, and it just looks like, oh, that's the Thunderdome. It looks like a fragile cage made out of balsa wood. And then, at night, when everyone is using the cage components as the stadium, and then using that to both give weapons, hang weapons up, and then also, like, just point like guys, just like pointing swords. Like if you bounce here, you're gonna get super stabbed. Um, <laughs> po- impossible for you to watch for that stuff. Like it made it really um, like yeah, it didn't have it didn't have the kinetic energy of like a Spider-Man or swinging through or something like that. But it did have a feeling of epicness and scope that is, I think, not just enjoyable to watch, but also very surprising based on what you're seeing. Like. When you see the structure in the daylight,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. There's and that just that, that wall of meat around them. Um, yeah, that, that, that is the striking. People, the birdcage sort of quality, um, right? All all these people uh, hovering on the edge of the thing, and even one of them gets stabbed by Blaster. <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember that. Mm-hmm. It's, it, yeah. it it rules because it like it it's a uh, it's a George Miller moment where a lot of people would just be like all right, well, it's two guys on the ground. They're fighting. George Miller's like, all right, let's make it weird. And then George Miller's like, well, there's actual peop- other people in this scene. <laughs> like, obviously, we're going to have one of them soak a blade. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. somebody's going
2: to get stabbed a little. <laughs> somebody's going <gotta> to get <laughs> a stabbed stabbing.
0: a little bit. No, and I, it's I the think cost the crowd you pay, element's you know? good. <laughs> but I, I do think I, – I think the crowd element is, is really strong. I, you know, it's – again, I um, – some of the visuals in this movie are just superb. They're really great. Oh, yeah. You know, the town feels really developed. The the town feels developed. It feels lived in. It feels again, you know, not to harp on it, but it feels like if you walk through, you were you definitely needed a tetanus shot. Everything was rusty, everything was dirty. Yeah. Um the people were rusty and dirty, you know. Um <laughs> but but it feels like a living thing it feels like a living organism you know and i think that's so cool yeah i i just want more i want more thunderdome
1: yeah it feels like there's it feels like there's um the town actually feels like a lived in town which is like sometimes when you're watching an old western you're like that, well, that's clearly a front. That's clearly right. Like, you
0: can well. tell, yeah. You
1: can tell. Or sometimes when you're watching these post-apocalyptic movies from a later era, I don't think of westerns. Mm-hmm. I think of when I would build little, like I would build little shanty towns for out of Lego, and be like, "All right, oh, well, this yeah. is where the battle's going to happen," and like, it doesn't really matter what's behind any of this because, like a tank's gonna drive through it like it it doesn't feel like it feels like it's it's stuff that's intended for a fake purpose but in a
0: film right like that it's built to be destroyed yeah
1: you want it to feel concrete and real in some sense right um even if it's shitty and in this like the, the the construction of all the spaces the contrast between underworld underworld and barter town like it's it's visually like very very uh nice looking and all like the vast the vast uh Desert photography is gorgeous. Like,
0: yeah, I mean, absolutely.
1: I don't know if Miller ever had a better shot than what he had in Road Warrior. Um, there's a scene where Matt Max is on top of a cliff, watching over the the oil riggers, um, mm-hmm. and all of the uh, all of uh, humongous's gang is driving away, and you could see um, the horizon line, and like it's westerns combined with like the end of the world imagery, and it's like. It's I don't think George Miller ever had a better shot in his career even in Fury Road. Like it's just insanely gorgeous. But in this movie, like there's lots of these wide open desert shots where you're just like he revelled in this. Or excuse me, oh, George Ogilvy probably was reveling in it. Yeah. There's a gorgeousness to this that carries through.
0: And it and it is. And you know, and I think that does it it covers a multitude of sins in a way because there are things that are so striking or you know things that are there's so much going on sort of even on the sides that there there are things to be looking at and paying attention to mm-hmm. and 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 following visually um you know so so it, i'm torn you know between this like ah like story if you just maybe done like mm-hmm. one more draft one more pass through you know but then but you have all of this really cool visual stuff happening um so mm-hmm. yeah that's kind of that's where i am
2: yeah well that sounds like we're kind of getting into final thoughts territory which is perfect because it's also all of our bedtimes uh, yeah peter what do you want to say to wrap up this uh this uh, Thunderdome. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so while it's a movie I really enjoy, Thunderdome does feel compromised. Um, and while I I already talked a little bit about uh, George Miller having to share the director credit uh, with Ogilvy, um, I do want to talk a little bit about something that frustrates me in the final act that I think is indicative of the rest of the movie. Okay, um, and that's that the movie's uh, comic inability to kill a certain henchman. Of of aunties, oh um, yeah. uh the movie's unwillingness to kill that character and just to keep bringing them back and bringing them back and bringing them back, and at the end, it's almost like played for a joke when they finally die, and it's like, um, that's sort of to me uh, hints at my. I think that that's a good little moment that hints at um my problems with the movie, and that's that uh it's it's uh, a PG thirteen movie that had it they could have had a lot more bite to it but the movie lacks bite in certain scenes there's a indirectness yeah. sometimes to the combat scenes there's a sort of looseness to it uh the combat scenes that make me actually crave the non-combat scenes that make me crave the small little goofy character moments like i mean i technically max is wielding a gun but the moment where max is trying to get the kids to stay in uh in Fern gully <laughs> Um and he shoots he <laughs> takes
2: he d- disassembles some piece of you know comic. I know what you've done you've just replaced it with another movie to be dismissive
0: <laughs> <laughs> he's on to you <laughs>
1: I cracked your code baby <laughs> um and I love the Ferngully, so don't get me wrong. I don't know if I love the movie Ferngully, but I love the, the lower Fern Ferngully Fern in this movie. Watched it recently with uh, my daughter, not so good. not so good. Max taking apart this tool that the kids were using, this like staff, and realizing it's a weapon, and grabbing the rifle right. rounds, and then shooting. And and that moment when this is, that moment when Max is communicating in a way that he knows how to speak all uh, the road has taken almost all of him and after you know road warrior you'd be you'd be forgiven for thinking all of him <laughs> um and, but the but some part of his his uh his humanity his domestic humanity his craving for community is 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 screaming back but the only way he knows how to communicate that is with the brutality of the road and that moment mm. where he pulls the 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 rifle out he's shooting it to scare the the girls say like this is what you can expect out there like it's just death out there like that's an amazing character moment and like that's the kind of stuff that drags me through this movie and is gonna make me i'll rewatch this movie again probably in a few years like i enjoy i enjoy it overall uh that and tina yeah but what actually pushes me away and repels me a little bit is how they handle action sequences and there's a sort of like goofy kids movie lightness of touch that like is really yeah is, is really uh confusing for me like the fact that max's ruthlessness mm-hmm. has somehow slipped away but there's no character development a lot like there's no <laughs> max likes the fern gully he likes the kids but for some reason he's being super gentle with henchmen of auntie who are trying to kill the kids like that doesn't match max in any of the movies even in fury road when the the brides are basically saying like oh no unnecessary killing uh they dispense with that pretty quickly they're like there's we're on my territory. We're on the road. There's only necessary killing out here. Um, and, and, right. and, and that sort of uh, that one henchman who just refuses to die, I think is indicative of a, of a a problem of bite that the movie lacks um that that yeah. keeps it from being the sort of movie where i'm like holy shit have you seen thunderdome i'm like well if you like all the other Mad max movies you'll like this or oh you like weirdo post-apocalyptic movies like do you want to see actually this is the movie that i think is closest to any fallout game road warrior is not mm-hmm. like any fallout game like this this is what fallout games feel like like you going into town ta- the stranger yeah. comes into town makes makes buddies with uh Makes buddies with the, the, the evil town leader and then has to make moral decisions along the way on which side he's with like that. that oh, is my God.
0: It's totally like a Fallout game. One to one. Whereas
1: like Road Warrior is just like one long ass action sequence and a guy makes one. Right. More, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to be a reductionist, but like,
2: I mean, if this was a Fallout game, I feel like there'd be a scene where Mad Max went to Barter Town and then, like, picked up an ashtray because he didn't recognize that that was stealing because the game didn't fully tell him that that was not okay because it just said pick up items or something like that. You hit the X button and you picked it up. And then he would get sh- shot by all the townsfolk if <laughs> they yelled at him. And then you quit and never come back.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. That sounds, I think, like,
2: that, that sounds about right. I think that's my just you, with, you with the playing ball. the game wrong. No, I'm pretty sure that's mode that's basically that's how you play fallout games is my understanding. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't think okay, well. Yeah. well good we can for agree you. We disagree. yeah, uh, so, okay. yeah that's not yeah, my game my fallout.
1: Sounds good. That's uh that's that the that that one henchman is kind of uh the 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 nexus of my uh my annoyances with the movie, but overall, I I think it's a very valuable film. And yeah, like I said, if like you want a Fallout movie, like I've said before, you want a Last of Us movie or a show, um, watch The Rover or watch uh, uh, The Night Comes for Us or not Night Comes for Us. What's the, um, what's the 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 plague movie, um, about the guy, the family in the in the woods, Aaron? Oh, oh. Uh, it come it comes, it comes at, night. at night. It watch it comes at night and watch The Rover, and then you have your. Your Last of Us movie. Um, uh, this, I feel like, if you want a Fallout up movie, like, I don't want a literal follow-up movie. Um, you just need to build, like, a nice little collection of, like, Beyond Thunderdomes.
2: <laughs> yeah. No, I think, it, yeah, I mean, so I'll let Amanda have the last word. I will say this didn't quite hold up. It was one of those things where I, w- I went into this a couple five or six years ago going, this is going to suck, end up loving it. This seeing it again made me, especially so close to all the other Mad Max movies, definitely exposed its flaws a little more. Where, again, the the kind of transition from Axe was kind of long and boring and almost had to I had to get back into the movie two times, which is never good. Like when you kind oh. of check out a little bit and then have to get back into it. Like that's but it is to the movie's credit that even though it does that twice, it did it was able to pull me back. Both times, and yeah, this feels like a this definitely feels like the outlier overall, even if like the ending sequence uh hints a little more at where he's going with Fury Road eventually and kind of calls back to the the chase scenes like i said it it is it has ended up on the bottom of my man Max movies, but again, I still think this is a four four and a half star movie like I really like the vast majority of it it looks beautiful, it um. Especially after Man Max gets his hair cut, um, <laughs> so much better. Yet, if you like the Man Max movies, like this is more of that, and also I do like that it it feels different. Like it really does feel like we're not making we're not redoing the Road Warrior. We're following Max down the path in the po- post apocalyptic Australian wasteland, and I think. I think that is admirable even if ultimately he finds a better way to succeed 30 years later.
0: Amanda, what do you got? What do I got? What do we got here? Yeah, I th- I think um there's a lot there's a lot to like. I th- I think you know, I love this I love kind of this idea of like this barter town system that's got this weird sort of, you know, pig shit underground that's Keeping it lit up yeah. like Las Vegas, you know, I, 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 you know, and it's ruled by this badass lady and like, I want to know more about her. And, you know, I, I feel like, and even like the kids, like, where did those kids come from? How did they, how did they find sort of this mm-hmm. like little idil- idyllic, um, you know, kind of valley that they're living in? You know, there, those are, those are two strong stories that I want to know more about. Oh, um, and I think, I think they really raise some interesting possibilities about what's happening in this world. Um, you know, I just I like I said, I just wish there was more sort of connecting those two pieces or yeah. maybe fleshing those pieces out more. You know, and and maybe they don't end up belonging in the same movie ultimately or something like that. But um, you know, I th- I think there there are strong elements. They're definitely strong visuals. Um, and I, and I do think there is sort of a, a glimmer, especially in that last, what, 10, 15 mm-hmm. minutes or so of, of what's to come. You know, we just didn't realize it yet, but, um, yeah. you know, so I think overall for me, it's a, it's fine. Like if it's on, I would probably watch it. Am I, go- would I seek it out? Probably not. Um, there, there's a lot to like um i just i want it to be more than it can give me and so and so that's kind of where i am but i do also want to say i'm very proud of us we have not made a tupac joke <laughs> um so I'm, I'm very proud about that um not uh,
2: peter and i have been in the chat have you not oh been okay looking?
0: <laughs> oh i haven't been looking um you know um none of us said can't we just get beyond thunderdome you know so i'm really proud of us tonight
2: I'm, I'm you know what i'm glad you ended it with being proud of us because usually i am proud of us and i don't know if this is a good episode for <laughs> for us to be too proud but i mean we're proud to have you on our guest you did a great job <clears throat> peter and i have some stuff to work out and about how we feel about hook but otherwise <laughs> yeah you I guys feel really like yeah, I do feel like we did a good job. Peter, any any final thoughts on the job that we did tonight? Uh, I think uh, who owns Watchtown? Who owns Watchtown?
1: Mm-hmm. Who the... owns Watchtown?
0: Who um, watches Peter the Watchtown? Watchtown?
1: Yeah, it's sort of a <gasps> oh! mix, like we've got sort of a... Uh, like a oh, I see. Legally, thing it,
2: Legally, I think it's 50-50. Yeah, just sort of <laughs> We've never inked all the contracts, but yeah, I think we can work <laughs> something out. Like probably. if we ended up, if there's up an in odd the course, penny,
0: who gets the odd penny?
2: Like if it's- I think one of us would get we love, and the other one would get to watch. <laughs> oh, I see, I see. So yeah, if 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 we ever separated, yeah, just one of us that that could be a fight. Like, do you want to be the we love podcast or the to watch podcast? I both have to bad t- names for a podcast. Honestly. Both
0: bad names for a podcast. It only
2: I- works when we're together. Amanda, do you have anything to promote?
0: Um, So if anyone is in Texas, uh, in Houston, and feels like getting out and about, um, the Norman Rockwell show that I co-curated will be uh, up until March 22nd. And if Norman Rockwell isn't your thing, then come back in the fall because we are completely redesigning, reimagining, rethinking, and reinterpreting our American galleries, and they will be open in the fall. At the um, Museum of Fine Arts in Houston,
1: you can count on Lana Del Rey to be there.
0: Uh, we listened to a lot of Lana Del Rey when we were installing that show because her album <laughs> came out the week that that sh- that we started installing the show.
1: Have you? Did you consider putting uh, Norman Blank Rockwell exclamation point uh, as the name of the <laughs>
0: show? <laughs> Somehow, well, did you not I don't get think. Sued? Sorry, was that a thing? Yeah, I don't mind? think that that would appeal to our visitors. I
2: don't think you consume museums, Peter. <laughs> you should. certainly tried. I
0: certainly tried. I told I the particular... a to
1: try and correct the fossil record to the evidence that I have, which is a uh, DVD copy of Super Mario Brothers. Yeah.
0: Okay, so we're not
2: uh, a natural to, history museum? You just have museum. to open a competing museum with your facts.
0: <laughs> the creationists do it. Why not? That's what yeah, I'm saying. I'm sort of a creationist in that
1: I believe dinosaurs did exist millions of years ago. But just on the timeline from the Super Mario Brothers movie, when a guy Me. in a bad New Yorker <laughs> accent uh, explains dinosaurs in about 15 <laughs> seconds.
2: <laughs> that's uh, fair. Yeah. That's, uh, that movie is canon to reality. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, so that's that's all we got. We got Mad Max Fury Road, which is a great episode we already recorded with uh, Joseph J. Finn joining us. Oh, the that episode. guy. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, we'll wrap it up then. We already recorded weeks ago. I don't remember what we said, but we were. Let me tell you, we we're positive on it. We were positive. <laughs> uh, until next time, don't get into a thunderdome battle. I guess, like, that I. I mean, you have a fifty percent chance of being the man that doesn't come out.
0: Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. Not good. I feel
1: like your odds are bad. I. I feel like you're better off uh, bartering in town.
0: Yeah, just bar. Or baby.
2: statistically, you're safer washing your hands for only fifteen seconds. Why don't
1: you just bring like a day's worth of water and walk towards the fern gully?
0: Yeah, just stay in fern gully. Go be a god
2: to a bunch of random children. Oh, yeah. that's not that weird. Stay going. Yeah, it got super weird. Like, do we want Mel Gibson there? I know. See that's I think a thing. I think actually everything worked out great where him and tina turner give each other finger guns and go about their business (laughs) uh good night Good. good
0: night
1: Love to watch
2: Mwah. Mwah. Mwah.